Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 37 of Think Relevance, the podcast with Brenton Ashworth. Uh, today we talked to him about a bunch of cool pedestal stuff. Before we get to the episode, I want to mention a few things. Uh, Michael Nygaard and Stu Halloway will be in Europe for most of October. They're speaking at a bunch of conferences, and hopefully they'll see some of you there. But since they're already on the road, uh, they thought it would be a good chance to turn this into a sort of barnstorming tour. Um, working with teams who are looking for help with closure or closure script or, or datomic. So if you would like to have them work with your team, uh, the way we're doing it is this. If you have a user group and you'd like them to come give a talk, that's free. Uh, if you'd like to bring them in for a 90-minute talk, that'll be 1500 US dollars. And uh, $5,000 for a day of training or consulting. Uh, we're not going to charge you anything at all for travel since they're already in Europe. And you can go to our website to find the prepared materials. Um, or you can ask them for specific topics and they'll work with you. So if you think that sounds like something you might want to do and you're in Europe, um, go ahead and send an email to info at thinkerallness.com and put October Barnstorming in the subject line. Um, and then, you know, of course, let us know exactly what you're looking for and we'd be happy to set something up for you. So that's a good opportunity. Uh, only other thing I want to mention is that yours truly, I will be at the Closure DC meetup at the end of the month, and you can find information on that at closuredc.org. There's no spaces or hyphens or anything. It's just closuredc.org. I'm going to be talking a little bit. We're going to do an intro to uh, Closure, so if you have no Closure experience, it'll be fine. And then we're going to jump into um, Causatum, which is a library I wrote for doing uh, stochastic event stream generation. And if you don't know what that means, it's okay. We'll talk about exactly that. Uh, anyway, love to see you come out for that if you happen to be in the uh, D.C., that's Washington, D.C. Uh, area. All right, on to the episode, and uh, thanks for listening. Today is Friday, July 19th, 2013, and this is Think Relevance, the podcast. Uh, today, I'm very pleased to welcome, again, to the show for his second appearance, uh, Brenton Ashworth. Welcome to the show, Brenton. Hello. Hey, you. so, uh, you know, we start the show with a song, and we let the guests pick the song, so that's to you. What would you like us to play on the way in here? So, I'll dedicate the song to you, Craig, because you're a bass player. Okay. And I know, uh, I know, uh, this, that, this song is called uh, Flag of Fate by uh, Witchcraft. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's the band that Rich picked on the Core A-Sync podcast. Yes, and yes. And he, he pointed that band out to me, um, and I really like them. Cool. So it's, it's one of the few bands that I actually like every single song on the album. So that's uh, pretty, pretty cool. And uh, I think it's a good, it's a good intro song. Awesome. And so which album is that? Just for- uh, uh, Legend. Legend. Okay, cool. Which is the album that I like every song. Gotcha. All right, cool. And I think that's their latest one, so uh, people yes. can go check that out. Yes. Very cool. Um, great. Well, so the last time you were on the show, uh, way back in episode three, which is going on a year and a half ago now, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about Closure Script, uh, Closure Script 1, rather, Yes. Um, which at the time was brand spanking new. And mm-hmm. um, since then, you have done quite a bit in that space and most notably um maybe i shouldn't say most notably you've done lots of cool things but i think the thing we want to talk about today is the fact that you are the architect of the pedestal client stuff mm-hmm. and we talked about pedestal on the show before uh tim came on and gave a big overview uh there's two pieces two big pieces to it pedestal service Ser- yes, service or server i can remember service service yes. and then the, the the client piece and i think um my experience in talking to people about Pedestal has been that, for the most part, they get the server stuff pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's similar to Ring, although it has some important differences, and people are familiar with that. But that Pedestal client, there is a significant delta with 
most of the things that people have done with you know client side programming and the way the way Pedestal does it. And and I and I think that's great because those deltas introduce a lot of value, but it also is a place where people get hung up a little bit. So, um, mm-hmm. which is why uh, you recently uh, published the uh, a pedestal tutorial, mm-hmm. uh, which is incredibly big. It's very large. <laughs> I mean, I think you, I think I saw someone say you can expect <clears throat> to take about eight hours to work through it. Mm-hmm. Um, you said if you printed it out, it'd be like twenty eight pages or something. But but that's awesome mm-hmm. because that is I think a thing that is really needed is a, a place for people to go to really get their brains wrapped around the um, around the concept there. So I I thought it was great we could have you on today and you could talk to us about um, the concepts in the tutorial, the tutorial and. Um, maybe even um, I don't know what we'll, I'm sure we'll figure out other things to talk about too. But uh, so I wonder if you could talk a bit about what's in the tutorial and kind of its you know story. Tell us about that. Yeah. So we wanted to start. We we started off with a very simple idea for the tutorial, and we wanted it to be simple so that we could focus on ideas of pedestal and not on a um, you know very complex problem. So the idea was just to create a very simple application that has a counter that you can increment because we knew that that would show you know lots of the lots of the things that you would do with pedestal. Um, you would be able to um, create a very simple data flow, get updates from the server, send things to the server, right? And then and then we decided, well, you know, pedestal is uh, made for building. Uh, collaborative applications. So why don't we make our little counter app collaborative? Um, and that made it a little more complex. And then one thing led to another and we ended up making a game, um, because it was very simple to change the counter application, which was basically kind of like a game where you win by clicking a button more than the other guy. (laughs) It's like Um, uh, Diablo. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) So we turned it into a game and then that allowed us to show some of the other more advanced features of, of pedestal, which, uh, like how to, how to, uh, transition between multiple pages, um, and how to run the data flow in parallel. And it actually got us to the point where we actually needed to do that, which was cool. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's the overview. Okay. Um, what's the reception been like? How have people been reacting to the tutorial? Well, from what I've heard, people seem to like it, but you know, some people are put off by how long it is. Mm-hmm. Um, other people maybe don't like the idea that they're, it, that, the first thing that we put out is a tutorial because some people prefer just straight documentation. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, I think the tutorial is good because it shows people how to uh, solve a problem. And so we kind of started off with just documentation and people kind of read the documentation and they're like, well, I don't really know how to use this. So the tutorial hopefully will show people how to use it. Okay. So. Um, and I've seen that the, the tutorial is... Um, you guys accept pull requests so people can fix yes, problems yeah. with it and stuff. So that's cool. And we've had a lot of people um, fixing little problems with mm-hmm. it along the way. Cool. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so do you have plans to expand the tutorial? I mean, I know you just put it out, and so it's kind of not very nice for me to ask, oh, what's that's great, but what have you done for me lately? But uh, do you guys have kind of a trajectory for the tutorial? or? Is- <laughs> Let it stand and see how it works for people, or what's the plan? I think mostly we'll let it stand because it is big and it kind of shows the complete picture. There are a couple sections we want to add, one on uh, more advanced testing techniques. We kind of glossed over testing. There was a little bit on testing at the beginning, but then we just ignored it the rest of the time. Um, and there's some pretty cool ways you can test pedestal apps. So we wanted to have one section on that, and then also uh, uh, we wanted to have a- another section on deployment because it's kind of interesting how you can deploy pedestal applications. Okay, uh, tell me about that. I'm curious. What are the what what? How is it interesting how you can deploy pedestal applications? So on the um, on the first project that we built with pedestal, we had it set up so that uh, we had a separate project for the client. And we had a project for the service, and that's kind of how you build pedestal apps now as you create different projects for these things. And so what we set up was a way to deploy those things independently. So in the production app, the service actually serves your application. So the pedestal application project, the output of that project is static resources Mm -hmm. like JavaScript and CSS and HTML. in the deployed application, the service will serve those files. But uh, the way we set it up was we set it up so that we can deploy the service somewhere and it serves an HTML page, which then pulls all those static resources from S3. Mm. 
And so that allowed us to independently deploy the application and the service code. And it turned out to be a big win because, um, you know, there's a lot, you, you change the application code a lot more often than you change the service code typically, mm-hmm. and at least in this project. And so we were able, we didn't have to, every time we made a change to the application, deploy the whole, redeploy the whole thing. All we had to do is upload files to S3. Gotcha. So a very quick turnaround. Yeah, that's actually one of the, I've said this before, one of the things I liked when I briefly worked with Pedestal, and I haven't spent anywhere near as much time with it as I would like, but uh, one of the things that was really cool was the amount of decoupling within the development process that happens. Mm-hmm. So you're much more decoupled you know, server to client than you are. I mean, we were able to, when I, the little thing I was working on, we were able to sit down and go, here's what the map that we're going to return you is going to look like. And that was the end of the conversation Mm -hmm. as far as, you know, server developers could go work on the server and app developers go work on the app. And, you know, there's a lot of those types of things in there where it's like, oh, we're going to slice it so that you can, um, uh, you know, take these things apart. And, you know, Mm -hmm. big surprise, right? We've had various people who've all said the key to, the key to doing uh, design well is to take things apart. So um, is that like an explicit design goal of yours as well? It is. Um, that's one of the kind of the biggest design goals that got us to where we are today is being able to, um, first of all, think about what what are the parts of an application that I want to think about in isolation and what are the parts that I don't want to have to think about while I'm working on this one thing. And so the the way that we've divided things up is that there's services, there's your application logic, and then there's rendering. And those three things are completely separated and isolated from one another so that you can think about one without having to think a lot about the other. And obviously, you do have to think about how these things talk to each other and what the data is that you'll be passing back and forth, but you don't have to you know, worry about what does this widget look like while you're worrying about how does it work, uh, which I think is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives you a lot of a lot of benefits, one of which is that application logic tends to just be straight up closure um, data manipulation code. So that allows you to um, uh, test a lot of that in closure using just regular testing tools like closure test, which gives you a faster turnaround time on like testing and getting your application logic working. Mm-hmm. Um, because anytime you have to like bring a browser into the picture, uh, it, testing gets a lot more complicated. Yeah, even the REPL. I mean, just yes. like I wrote a function, I'm going to call it. Okay, right. now it's right. And yes. then maybe you reify that in the test to prevent regressions. But that, that yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, everyone that's done closure for a little while has felt the power of that. Right. So, and we've actually had situations where we've written a ton of code and tested it in Clojure, and then we, the first time we start it in a browser, it works, and that's pretty amazing. Like, <laughs> that right there, yeah. I think, is enough to sell the idea. I mean... Yeah, yeah, so so it's, it's good, and I, I really like... Um, I, one of the things that I haven't liked in the past about web application development is that you think of your whole application from the database to the browser as one application, and you run all this stuff at one time. And that's a lot of stuff to think about, like running a database. And especially when you start making like, you know, a full closure stack application, like I've got to run Datomic and I've got to run like the service and then the client. And it, that's nicer than things we've had in the past. But still, it's a lot of stuff to run. And projects in the past where we've used this, this stack, that's something that's, that's hurt us and slowed down development. So uh, with this approach... You can work on one thing in isolation and get it right, and then when you're ready, you can run the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely the idea behind things like mocking, right? I mean, we've known for a long time the value of being able to, you know, take a knife and and make a a cut through the application and just take it a piece at a time. Yeah, you you have to have the right, um, like, places in your application where you can introduce that kind of mocking. Right. And so that, that's one of the things that we do in Pedestal that may seem like a, a lot of work to people, but I think it's worth it, is when you, when you do create your, uh, your application and service code as two separate projects, one of the things you typically do in the application code is build into it a simulator that simulates the back-end services. And it's actually a lot faster to build that simulator and write that code than it is to you know, build up the whole back end or get that working. And it's much easier to change it when you want to try a new idea than changing the whole back end. And you may change it five times and then realize, okay, this is what we want. 
now make the back end do that. Mm. And during that process, you can quickly iterate on, you know, trying new things with the back end service and seeing what it looks like in the application. And you can run it all like in the browser or you can run it as part of your tests. And um, it gives you a very quick development process. And, and that we, um, I can't really talk about it, but we saw something yesterday where I showed a demo and that demo was basically just an in-browser simulation of, of a thing. And, uh, and it's pretty cool that we can just do that anytime without having to fire up like the whole system. Yeah, that was super cool. <laughs> I wish I really wish we could show it to people, and uh, we might be able to show off um, a similar something that shows the capabilities without actually showing that thing. Possibly at uh, possibly at a conference coming to a continent near you, right? That's right. Yeah. We'll see. Um, so yeah, so I kind of want so I I'm, I'm, I want to go back in time here because okay, like I said, the 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 first thing that um, that we had you on the podcast for was uh, ClojureScript One, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if you could. There, there's some fairly obvious connections between ClojureScript One and the ideas in Pedestal, although clearly it's an evolution, and clearly it doesn't solve the same. It's not the same thing at all. Well, it's not the same thing to a very large degree. I wonder if you could talk about that evolution. Like, what what was it that you got to the end of you know your big push on ClojureScript One, and you said okay. And then in between something happened and then pedestal, right? So what was that in between part? The in between part was working on a ton of client projects. Mm-hmm. So we actually did work on a fairly large client project where we started off with ClojureScript one and we used it. Um, we used it, you know, a lot and we learned a lot during that project. We, um, and a lot, and that project, um, is probably one of the, the, the things that we ran into on that project were the main motivation for the way we built um, Pedestal, um, that and maybe one other project. So it, it's, it's really all based on projects that we've worked on in between. And ClojureScript 1 was built right after um, ClojureScript was released, and we were still kind of experimenting with ideas about how to build these kinds of applications. And I think there are some interesting things in there, but we've learned a lot since then. So what are some of the specific things that, like you got wrong in closure script one. I mean, cause I mean, I think that's right. We, we try right. things and we find out that they didn't work. So I'm right. wondering if there's anything specific that, that you realize there's a better way. Um, well, the main thing was, uh, I, I think the typical way that people build, um, closure script applications is that they, they use, they have some way of storing state and they update that state. Usually it's in one or more atoms. Um, and then you can use watchers to watch the atoms. And when the state changes, you render something. Mm-hmm. And um, we actually, in ClojureScript 1, we used um, sort of this PubSub system for, like, um, basically saying, here's something that happened. Anybody can subscribe to that and do something about it. And as everybody kind of knows, using those kinds of systems can get... Um, they can, it can turn into spaghetti pretty mm. quick, right? Like, you, don't, you, you lose the ability to really know what's going on. And so in, in Pedestal, we've kind of nailed down like a, a flow like of, you know, here's how inputs come in, here's how outputs go out, here's how exactly we notify you of changes. Instead of, here's an atom that changed, now you figure out what's different about it. Um, I think that's the biggest difference, if mm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. We're going to take a quick commercial break because I actually know commercials, but I, I, I see that I have managed to not delete the old files on the SD card in this little recorder I'm using. And we're going to run out of um, virtual tape here in about a few minutes. So okay. we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we will continue our conversation with Brenton. are back with uh, plenty of space on the SD card now. And so, Brenton, since I made you wait while I went off and pulled files off there, maybe we'll give you a chance to add a bonus song in here. What if we can play a few seconds of something in the uh, the interlude there. What do you want to throw in? Let's throw in uh, Fade to Black. Oh, awesome. All right, cool. So we heard a few seconds of that, or however much I decide to put in. All right, cool. So um, we were talking about uh, Pedestal Client, of course. Um, and I had another question for you um, 
which comes back to the present. And I think um, the thing I look for when I'm trying to understand something like Pedestal is, are those aha moments. Right, for me, with Datomic, for example, it was when you understand what an index is, then you understand Datomic, I think, to a very large degree. Like that was like, oh, okay. I don't want to say that's all it is, but that's a big part of it. Um, so as you've seen people go through the tutorial, as you yourself have developed these ideas, is is there a shortcut in the form of, like if you could stuff two or three facts into somebody's brain about pedestal client that would really push them along the path, are, are there those things? Or is it just the case that you, you need to spend time with the model? You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm trying to ask? Yes. Um, I think in the tutorial itself, there are probably five or six aha moments. Okay. And one of them should come like in the first two sections. So I think if people uh, go through that and give it a try, I think they'll, they'll see some of those things. Well, give, it, give us one. So the first one is when, you, when you're going through the tutorial, you, create, um, you basically create a uh, data model where you have a counter. And then you create a button that lets you increment the counter. And you, can, you do that by writing pure functions. And I think you write a couple small pure functions. And, and you write these two pure functions. And in the end, you have a button on the screen that you can click and see the counter increment. And so I think that is, if you, if you do that and follow along, I think it gives you the sense of, of, of you know, wow, I can see how if I use this uh, kind of method of development I could really go fast and see and actually not only, you know, make sure that my code works, but actually interact with it. Okay. Um, and, and you can do that without doing a bunch of crazy like state mutation. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Which I think is, uh, one of the, one of the things we're trying to achieve. Okay, cool. The other, the other one that seems to, the, I think the place it, it seems to me looking from the outside where people tend to get hung up a little bit, um, before they, you know, get it is, uh, is around the various transformations and like how the diff, you know, so you've got emitters and renderers mm-hmm. and is there, is there a, a straightforward description of those things that you could, you could give people? Yeah. So, um, the, the idea and the reason why there are these functions with names is that we're trying to make a way for you to program sort of like having a really fancy, uh, closure reference type. So you're, you're, your application ends up being this object. You can think of it as an object. It gets messages. Those messages change its state. And then when its state changes, it reports changes out to things in the outside world. And um, the way that we want to to um, control the state transitions is by providing functions to this object. So it's sort of like you can think of it like an agent enclosure where it's this queue and it does state transitions and you give it functions and you just write pure functions, and it handles all the nasty state business. And that's sort of what we're trying to achieve in with the data flow in Pedestal. And so you provide pure Sorry, functions. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to stop you there okay. because we, we've I've heard this word a bunch, yes. data flow. Yeah. Um, and we've kind of hurled it around, but I want to. It doesn't actually mean like really something really concrete to me. Can you explain what data flow is? So data flow is a way of just connecting pieces of code together so that you don't have to worry about uh, when you're writing a piece of code, you don't have to worry about where my input's coming from or where does my output go to. I'm not directly calling functions. I'm essentially writing functions and then declaratively describing how data passes from one function to another. Gotcha. So that's like the engine piece of it, the orchestration, if you will. Right. Okay. Sorry to interrupt you, but that was, yeah. So you were saying, and I really like that there's this idea of application hanging out Mm -hmm. and we sort of add things around the edge and then the application has state, but it talks to us to, uh, you know, interact with kind of the part that we're writing. Right. So you... So even though you have, there's quite a bit of state in this kind of an application, you don't really ex- ever explicitly um, mess with the state mm-hmm. in a sense. It sort of handles that for you. And you, so what you do is you provide pure functions. And so the first function that you provide is called a transform function. And it handles input. So if you think about that you have this object that's receiving messages, 
all input messages go through some transform function. And you can think of it as a reducer because it has the same kind of function signature as a reducer. It takes some value and the new message and it returns the new value. Mm-mm. So events are com- or not events. Messages are coming in, and they all go through this transform. And the transform returns a new value. So it's a pure function. It gets a value, returns a value, and that value that it gets is something that you declaratively uh, specify in your data flow definition. You say this is the part of the model that this function can manipulate, and so it gets the old value from that part of the model, and it returns the new value. And that's the transform. That's the one that's doing that. Okay. Yeah, that's the transform function. So that's that's how all input goes into um, a pedestal application. And that would be button clicks or Every, things that coming from the server, even. So it's yeah. everything coming in. Okay. And so in Rich's talk on core async, he talked about uh, callback hell and how core async addresses that. And pedestal has also tried to address that. And the way that it addresses it is that it's similar to core async. Whenever an event occurs, you take you turn that into data and put it on. A, in core async, you put it on a channel. In pedestal, you put it on the input queue. Mm. So, um, so anything, you're, a message, you sent a query to the server, you get back results. Somebody clicks a button, enters a form value. That goes all goes on the input queue. And so everything goes through this queue and into your application through transform functions. So that's... Um, I mean, I think any application is going to have that kind of function. We just try to give it a name and give you a declarative way of um, routing messages to those functions. Okay. Um, and then there are three, let's see, two, three. No, there's two, well, there are two other kinds of functions that have to do with output. So you think your, your application is going to get input. It's also going to produce output. Mm-hmm. And so... If you think about what kind of output an application might produce or this thing might produce, um, there are two kinds of output. Rendering output, so you're going to render stuff. So that's so, side effects in some visual tree somewhere. Yep, okay. side effects. So you're going to render, and you're going to want to just have general effects that affect the outside world. So maybe some message came in, and that is going to result in a query to a service. Mm. That is going to go out on the effect through the, the like effect path. Mm-hmm. And so there are functions that you write to handle both of those situations. And that's how you control what actually, what actually goes out to affect the outside world. So, if, for example, effect functions um, will watch a part of the data model. If a part of that model changes, it will get whatever changed, whatever it's interested in, and then it produces messages, and those messages go out. Uh, somewhere, and you can write you write the code yourself that determines where those go. Mm. And the same way with rendering, you watch parts of the model, and when those parts change, you produce the data that will go out to be rendered. Okay. So there's so that's input and output. Um, another thing, the thing that makes it data flow is that there's another kind of function that you can write, which is called a derive function, and what it does is it watches the model. Um, So apart from input, every other function that you write does the same thing. It watches the model for changes. If that part of the model changes, it gets called. Mm -hmm. So a derive function um, watches part of the model. When that changes, it gets called. And then it, in the same way as transform, receives the part of the model that it was watching or the part of the model that it cares about, and it can produce a new value. And so those can be... You can imagine that those can be, you can add any number of those and they can depend on one another or they can depend on the same parts of the model and that can create an arbitrary like flow of data. So that's almost like um, the idea of cells. I mean, that's it's very similar floated, to right, where you have, which of course comes from the idea in spreadsheets, right? We all familiar, you got yep. a yep. bunch of numbers and one over here is the sum of those numbers and when you change one of the numbers, the, that exactly. cell recomputes, okay. So it's like um, you can think of the data model as being a spreadsheet in the form of a tree and the derived functions are like formulas that you write in the spreadsheet. Okay. That's exactly what it is. That makes sense. Yep. And then the final thing is that sometimes you want to be able to have recursion in your um, data flow. Um, something happens and so you get into some state and you might want to create a new message that goes back and is either run as part of the same transaction mm-hmm. or goes back into the input queue. Mm-hmm. And so there's a function that you can write that watches part of the data model. If that part of the data model changes, it gets called and it can uh, cause recursion to happen. Hmm. And so you can do, you can have something that 
when an input message comes in, a continue function will con will produce messages until you get to some state where you're stable, mm -hmm. and then things will continue from there, or think the data flow will uh, will progress. Progress, or you can have it uh, generate messages that go clear out of that transaction into the input queue, and they just they'll be processed like everything else. Mm -hmm. And the tutorial shows a good example of why you would need that and how you can use it. Okay, so cool. And okay. I may have mentioned things in there that we didn't talk about, so that might have been confusing. <laughs> we talked about, uh, I don't think we discussed all the topics that I just Oh, mentioned. that's all right. No, that's, that's really helping me, actually. The I mean, you know, I'm lucky. I get to hang out and like, you present it and whatever, but I haven't really sat down to, to, to work with it. But, but your, your explanation, that, that's helping me like form a picture of it, so that's really good. Um, and, and, of course, there is the tutorial for anybody yes. that really wants to dig into it. And I think another thing I would say is that I think when people see the whole picture, they might get confused and say, why do I need all this stuff? And the thing that I would suggest is that if you don't see why you need it, then just don't use it. You right. don't have to use all of it. And I think as you go, you'll see all of a sudden, oh, I need something that does this. And then you'll see that that, that exists. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So this is something that Tim said that I think bears repeating, which is that, you know, Pedestal is 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 really aimed at building production applications. And so if you're writing the sort of toy stuff that I might do on my spare time in a weekend that's just for me and it's only going to run on my phone or whatever, you know, yeah, I'm going to look at this and go, well, that has 20 things in it and I only needed one of them. So that's kind of silly, but it, that's very intentional on our part, which is, you know, this is meant for applications that are, are, you know, solving bigger problems than, than, casual non-production use right right now, there's, there's nothing wrong with that we're not trying to say that right like it's it's great that there are uh environments out there for getting something going in two minutes um we believe that those have limitations when it comes to building the sort of applications like the stuff that you've been working on for our clients but um but that's that's all good right mm -hmm. yeah yeah yep so and that there's a larger issue there too about pedestal uh, you know, whether or not you call it a framework or a library. Um, I think it really is a library, but people tend to see it as a framework. Mm. And that's because the way, all the ways we presented it show you how to use everything together. Mm -hmm. And really it is easy to just take one of the things. Like if you just wanted to use the data flow piece, you could easily just include that as a library in your project and use it on its own. Right. But we're trying to show the advantage of all these things by using them together. Sure. So yeah, just like Datomic, you can actually pull the data log engine, not pull it out, but use the data log engine right. from Datomic against not Datomic. It works right. great against <laughs> vectors of tuples just That's in memory. Right. It's this perfectly yeah. fine way to use that. But of course, it's designed to work well with this part and right. with that part and everything. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So Luke actually, Luke Vanderhart, is working on an example where he just uses it as a library and he uses line CLJS build to, to do all the compilation. And so at some point we'll be putting that out so people can cool can take a look at how to do that. Awesome. It might even be out by the time we publish this as listeners might note by the delta between the date that I say at the beginning of the recording and the time <laughs> when it actually hits the air, there is occasionally a bit of a, a bit of a lag. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well certainly they can watch the website and they'll see when that happens. Um, that's super cool. I know what I, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was uh, was the model, right? We, that's very central in Pedestal. Mm -hmm. Is you have this idea of your application state has a, a model. It's this tree. And as you've gotten experience writing a few applications with Pedestal now, what what kind of advice would you give people? Because I feel like that's another place where where you might need some experience before you're using Pedestal optimally is figuring out how to how to, I mean, how to model your application, you know, how to turn your application state into that pedestal model. Do you have any guidelines or, or views on that? So it's interesting because there's sort of the like idealist way of doing things, which we've moved away from a bit to make it a bit simpler for people to get their head around. Um, and the, the ideal way to do things, in my opinion, is to treat the data model as like a database. It's just like facts that I've accumulated. This is the stuff that I have received in some way that's, uh, that's sort of easy for you to work with. 
and then to create this other model called the application model, which is the thing that I think confuses a lot of people. And the application model is the way, I think the easiest way to think about it is if you take your web page that you're looking at and you just take the data out of that page and take away all the stuff that has to do with how you're formatting it or what, what it looks like, and you, you could think of that as a tree, right? Because you have you know something within something else and it's got these five pieces of data. You can think of that as a tree, and if you just made that thing into a tree of data, that is the application model for your program. And what you've done there is you've separated, like, here is the data, and here is how it's structured, and the relationship between the pieces of data, but I'm not going to tell you anything about how you should display this on the screen. Mm. You know, you could put it in a table, you could make it into a chart, you could do whatever you want to do with this. Um, that is what we mean by the application model. And I think that separating those two things is very important because when you mix them together, you run into all kinds of weird issues with, well, we want to display something differently. So we need this data to support it. And now I'm going to start changing my data model. And then that affects things downstream. And it turns into this chain reaction. If you have a clear separation between those two things and a mapping between them, then changes to your application model don't kind of go downstream and affect everything else. So, the point there is I think separating those two things is important. The interesting thing is that in uh, Pedestal as it exists now, we've made these emitter functions, the default emitter functions that sort of create that application model for you. Mm -hmm. And it's basically just mirroring your data model. So okay. it's essentially saying the data model is the application model. I see. And so you're just going to create a data model and you're going to, that's the thing that you're going to map to some sort of rendering, which is actually kind of, if you take what I just said, that's a bad way to do it because you've now unified these two things. But you can split them apart later if you want. Mm. Um, but the interesting thing is that what you t what tends to happen when you do that is that you end up just making your data model hold both the data model and the application model. So you end up having things in there that are the things that are visible to people, and then you have other things that are just the ba the the base data that mm -hmm. you calculate those things from. And so it just sort of naturally occurs that you end up with those two models anyway, but they're just together in one model. Um, so, you know, it's really just a tree and you can organize it however you'd like. Um, I, th I think the thing to be careful of is um, to c you do kind of have to think if you're going to do that and you're going to have everything in one tree, you do need to think about how things will be displayed when you're creating your data model, which... Right. Which is kind of, I think, a bad way to do is there Is there, sorry, the data model, is there a schema for that? or it's no. just Okay, so it's a data structure that you grow however you like. It's just a tree, yeah, and it could be, yeah. So it's really, free. I mean, you can do whatever you want. Okay. It's pretty, it's flexible. Okay. So there isn't really, there isn't, there aren't really too many guidelines, except for what I just said. Like, it's actually better to try to separate, separate those two things. Sure. <laughs> so. I really need to dig into this stuff. <laughs> yeah there's this little podcast project i've been working on though i know yeah yeah it's a um, worthy project oh thank you um wow that's really cool no this really helps i the con conceptual stuff is always important to me like i really want to have a model in my head and your explanation's been super helpful so when i do get a chance to sit down and and write uh as as chaz described his effort along similar lines the world's stupidest quit twitter client Mm -hmm. which is kind of my little project I have in mind that I'll, uh, I think I'll be much better off. Well, that's awesome. So go ahead. I was, I, at some point I want to talk about core async and yeah, how yeah. it relates to Absolutely. Pedestal. Please. Because core async, um, you know, it's recently been publicly released and it's, I think everybody's kind of known about it as work was progressing, but it was kind of started as we were well into making pedestal and it does solve a lot of this. It does kind of address a lot of the same problems. And so one of the things we've been trying to do is figure out how we can unite the two. Um, and I think it's really interesting how they'll, how those two things will play together. First of all, pedestal, oops, pedestal, um, I hit the mic. That's all right. Pedestal. You drop, um, just drop the mic, I friend, the just mic. drop it and walk away. Yeah. So pedestal um, kind of focuses on the application logic part of your application and it leaves a lot of the edges to you. So all the part uh, of the application that you would write that does all the rendering stuff and deals with the DOM and callbacks, you still would write that in just whatever the normal way. 
and all the code that you would write that deals with services and talking to backend services and also has callbacks. Um, you write just however you'd like. Pedestal doesn't really help you with that. And so I think using core async in those two places is where you really have the big win from core async. Mm. Um, so right there, even without making any changes to Pedestal, the combination of the two will be really good. People can do that right now. Yeah, right now. Um, but the thing that's interesting is that combining um, Pedestal and Core Async is going to give us a ton of, uh, a ton of really cool advantages. Um, so one of the things that we do now that we like is that we have transactions. A message comes in, and there's, an at, there's one atom where all of your data is stored, and there's one swap function, essentially, that, that does the state transition. And your entire data flow is run during that, uh, during, during that function uh, call. Um, the problem with that is that you actually have to be careful if your data flow takes too long to run. Uh, it's one function call, and that can't be interleaved with other JavaScript code. Mm. And so um, in an application that we had just worked on, there was a ton of animations. And, I mean, stuff is happening all the time. So if anything took any amount of time, you would see, like, pauses. Stutter. And, yeah, stutter. And it got uh, really nasty. So um, we solved that in, in one way. But the, but the cool thing about... Um, uh, core async is it will allow us to write uh, we can if we implement our data flow code with core async we can still have transactions but those can be interleaved with other uh, code which is pretty amazing the top of my head just blew right off <laughs> so uh, and so, uh, so so the other thing is um, that derive functions currently they're functions that they're pure functions they get notified when something changes and then they update the model where right now they can just basically compute things based on the data that they receive from the um, from from the model but there are a lot of situations where you just want to write straight line code. That's what core async helps you do. You write straight line code to do, and you can do asynchronous things within that straight line code. So what, uh, what, if we implement the data flow engine on top of core async, we get the first advantage. Plus we can introduce, um, channels as return values mm. in the data flow steps, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which would mean that a derive function in the middle of a data flow transaction could make a asynchronous call to a backend server get the return value, and then the data flow would continue. All right. What's, and that's still, that's still like in a transaction. What's left of my brain just followed the rest of it out the top of my head. Yeah. That's super cool. So I think that is going to be... And that's in JavaScript. And that's in JavaScript. That's so yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's magic. It is, it is magic. So we're still, we're still working on the design of that, but that's kind of the direction that we're thinking of going. Cool. So, And you've been using Pedestal... Um, a lot um, these last few months now, right? Yep. I mean, you've yes. been building real applications. Do you have any, I mean, we would love to share everything that we do, but of course our customers feel differently and we totally respect that. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything, um, any field experience report that you can that you can share with us? Like anything really neat that you're like, oh, I'm so glad we did Pedestal or, or the opposite, anything where it's like, oh, wow, that really taught me something not to do or anything along those lines from your experience actually building real-world apps? There have been, uh, there's, you know, there are good and bad things to report. It is new, so you'll run into a lot of uh, issues if you use it in a real project. Um, so using it here internally, we have the advantage that uh, if there's something broken, we can just fix it. Um, it is open source, so if you're using it in your project, hopefully you can jump in and fix things as well. And I would suggest that if you did want to use it in a real project now, you should expect to have to, to fix things along the way. Um, another problem is that uh, um, we, we, the data flow itself could be a little more performant. I think we have some, some issues there, but that's, uh, I mean, that's to be expected in a new, a new project like this. Now, you had an interesting approach uh, to solving Right. That issue. You mentioned stutter, mm -hmm. um, and you actually came up with, a, with what I thought was a pretty cool way of, of working around that. Yeah, so this is uh, the, one of the, the good things that, uh, from the experience report. Okay, <laughs> jumping <laughs> um, the gun on you. Yeah, so <clears throat> we ran into this problem, yeah, with stutter and that transactions were taking too long, and we experimented with, you know, changing the data flow definition to use continuation passing style, and it turned out that that was much slower than mm. just running things straight through, like as one function call, which kind of makes sense. Um, 
So we decided that wasn't going to work. And then we thought, well, why, you know, the way that uh, Pedestal is designed, it's already designed to receive messages uh, in one end. And then out the other end comes a sequence of deltas that you render. Mm -hmm. So you've got messages coming in one end and messages going out the other end. So uh, that fits perfectly with web workers. Mm. So what we were able to do is basically just take our data flow, our entire data flow, run that in a web worker thread. And so now we can receive messages, send them over to that thread, and then occasionally it will send us deltas that we need to render. And then just for people like me that are kind of ignoramuses on the front end, a web worker is more or less another thread in the browser. Yes, and it's not as nice as another thread in the browser. Like if you're used to threads, um, it's there's a lot of complications around web workers. You have to um, specifically compile the code that will that will run in the web worker. Like that has to be like specific code. You can't just arbitrarily say I want to run this code in mm. the web worker right mm-hmm. now. So you have to do a lot of you know planning ahead of time. But for Pedestal, it works really well because we know okay we're going to run the entire data flow in a web worker. Mm. Um, and we already have, you know, small messages passing across the, the thread boundary. Um, if you try to use web workers without using pedestal, you have to come up with a way to actually, you know, do that. That's efficient because you're essentially copying, copying data across the boundary. You can't share data. Right. Um, so, but pedestal works nice because it's very small amounts of data. We're already, um, you know, making sure that the stuff that you cut, that comes across the boundary is just the Delta. Like this is just what changed. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so it's already kind of compressed, which is what you want. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the cool thing um, about web workers is they have access to the XML HTTP request. So you can actually have it doing all of your network communication as well. So the end result was everything about our app was running in a web worker thread and then only rendering was happening in the main JavaScript mm-hmm. thread. And yeah, and it's really smooth, even though you guys are... Yeah. Doing a lot of stuff visually. I mean, there's a lot going. It's it's an animation. I mean, it's really yeah. and it's really smooth. It's, it's super just cool. it's like tons of animation. So much animation that it almost starts skipping just when you're running the animation code without anything else. Like we pretty much maxed out <laughs> like as much animation as you can do in in the browser. And uh but then at the same time as all that animation, we're doing these transactions that take sometimes 300 milliseconds to run. Mm-hmm. And uh we get updates every 500 milliseconds. And so before that was just like impossible. And now it's, uh, it's, you know, we've got 200 milliseconds of, of a buffer we mm-hmm. can work with. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. It is cool. Um, you guys are doing awesome work. Yeah. Wow. So that, that is also in the tutorial. So there's a section oh. that shows how to, how to set that up. Oh, at cool. The end. And if you make, if you get to that point in the t- tutorial, you've built a game and if you play that game in multiple browsers, especially like in Safari, you can see like the the, the stutter, um, and that's just because of the number of network uh, connections mm. that it's making. So um, then, at the end of the tutorial, it shows you how to just take the whole data flow and the network communication, move that into a web worker, and then you've you've removed the stutter. Cool. So. So I think having the combination of the ability to do parallel processing and the stuff you can do with core async is going to be pretty fantastic. Yeah, that's badass. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, cool. Well, um, God, that's great. Before we uh, before we wind down here, is there anything else you want to tell people about about pedestal or about the um, or about the tutorial or uh, or anything else you've been working on? Like you, I mean, that's kind of enough. Like I, you know, hey, Brenton, why? Why aren't you doing more for the for the closure community? Come on. Well, um, I would just say that uh, you know I know that it's a lot to ask to go through the tutorial because it takes you know it takes quite a bit of time. But if this at all sounds interesting to you, please do go through it and follow along because I think um, when you follow along, you'll see some of the advantages of it that are hard to get by just reading about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing, too, is that this is a work in progress, and, you know, this isn't, like, how it's going to be forever. Um, it's going to change over time, and we want, like, the reason why we release this now in its current form is because we want to get input from people outside of relevance and, you know, people that are working on other problems, and, and we want those people to help us make it better. So we're really looking for people to, uh, to jump in and contribute. Yeah, and you and Ryan have been, I think, really good about... Um responding to feedback very very quickly so yeah. when people have problems or questions 
I don't think I've seen anybody post a question where it was like it just sat there for you know a week or never yeah. got an answer or whatever. So that's been that's, good too. That's mostly Ryan. Ryan's been doing a bang up <laughs> job, but I, yeah. I have seen you jump in too. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I, I really have to thank Ryan for all the work that he's done. Yes. Like uh, he's really been uh, been good at that. Yeah, and I think that's that's a great part of the experience is when you do have questions for something that does have a lot of things that you need to understand to be able to go and quickly get answers. So that's, that's been awesome. Yep. And I assume that people can find the tutorial on the web at pedestal.io. Yeah. So, well, there must be a link somewhere to it there. I haven't actually checked, but okay. it's in the same repository with all the other code. Okay. We have the pedestal organization and, um, under that organization is the app tutorial okay. project. So if people so. go to github.com slash pedestal, they'll find it there. Yes. And it's, uh, in that uh, project, there's the source code, the final source code, and there's tags for each step along the way. And then the actual tutorial itself is in the wiki. Cool. Awesome. Well, that's that's fantastic. I really appreciate you taking the time to explain this stuff to me because that did help. Consider, I feel considerably more enlightened about Pedestal. I still, like you said, need to sit down, need to do the tutorial, need to build an app, need to get familiar with that. But having those pieces kind of line up in my head is going to is going to really help. So I, I super appreciate you taking the time for that. No problem. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Okay. So we're going to have to have you back on clearly because we had you on a year and a half ago and you had done closure script one and we had you on now and it wasn't even, uh, we released pedestal in March. So it was barely over a, barely over a year between that and that. So I don't even know, like this time next year, what are you going to have, you know, what world hunger, cancer, what's your next stop? I, I'm raising three daughters, so I'm going to go into a cave until they're all uh, out of the house. I, so I you have, probably won't hear from me for a while. Yeah, I have two daughters, and uh, the, the first part isn't too It's the teenage years I'm a little bit afraid yeah, of. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I hear you. I feel you, bro. Yep. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's get a song for you on the way out here. So another classic. We're going to go out with Blackened. Awesome. All right. Fantastic. And uh, I think last time you closed out with a Metallica song as well, so uh, it's good consistency from Brenton here. And, uh, yeah. It's a good song. <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, thanks again a ton for taking the time today. This is a Friday, and of course, uh, you know, like me, you have 10 million things that you want to get done today. Roland's Fridays are always super interesting but super busy, so you taking the time to uh, talk to us is uh, really appreciated. And it's always great to have you on, and I know we'll have you back uh, to talk more about Pedestal or whatever next thing or possibly about your, 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 your daughters. I don't know. We'll see. Something, right? We'll figure something out. But uh, thanks again a lot. All right, thank you. All right, and we will thank our listeners. This has been Think Relevance, the podcast.